We're clear for takeoff. Welcome, 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 one and all to the Kings at Heart podcast. My name is Tariq Omari Walton. I am a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist here having conversations with you and my friends about relationships. Yes, that's what we talk about here. We get deep into the crevices of relationships, bringing you good information so you can walk away from the show thinking a little bit more clearly about what you could be doing to have a healthier relationship. And typically, I have my partner in crime, Dr. John Hart, with me. He's not here today, but this is the cipher of three. Nope, I'm sorry, the royal cipher. Today is the royal cipher. And as you know, when we have the royal cipher, that means we're bringing our sisters, other licensed clinical marriage and family therapists, who also do this work. And so today, we have the one, the only, Miss Weena Wise. Miss Wise, Weena, Weena, Weena. How hey, you doing? hey, Tyreek. Welcome, welcome, I welcome. Am, thank you so much. I am on 10. It is going to be 70 degrees outside on this 26th day of January. Oh my gosh, it is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I know, right? But I know. I'll take it. I'm feeling good. You feeling good. So that's right. Let's bring those good tidings to everybody. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. What you been up to? Give us, give us a quick update. How you been? I know. I haven't seen you since what December yep. on the show. Yeah, I have been growing the the practice, um, doing all kinds of amazing things clinically with clients, and I'm really excited about the topic today. Oh yeah! And so, just as Wiener brings it up, the topic today is about role strain part two, part two, because Dr. John and I had the opportunity to broach this conversation a little bit a couple of weeks ago. And we felt like, you know what, we're not done. There's so much more that we can add to this conversation. And we wanted to have the whole team here today to be able to talk about it. But short of that, we have Weena, and Weena knows stuff. If you don't know about Weena, <laughs> Weena knows. Weena knows. So Weena's going to help us break down this conversation a little bit further than we did last time. You can always go back and listen to episode 9 of, I think it was on, yeah, episode 9 of season 5 of Kings of the Heart, the first conversation around role strain. But today, Weena's going to bring her knowledge to the table. So let's start off simple and plain. For those people who might not have listened to see um, episode nine yet, can you give people a, a rundown, an idea, a feeling of what role strain is from your perspective and from what you see in your sessions? Sure. When you say role strain for a second, I scratch my head a little bit because it sounds so technical, but... Role strain is the exhaustion or fatigue that one can feel from the duties and responsibilities that they carry in a relationship. And quite simply put, too much of anything is a bad thing. True enough. So if you are carrying all of the responsibility in one area of the relationship, or you've been carrying many things for too long without the right amount of support, then you're going to feel the strain of carrying that role. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important too to point out, it's not just about stress. You know, there is a, a certain amount of stress that you're gonna feel in any role that you're carrying. 
<laughs> but it's the pervasiveness of the stress. It's how it's actually interfering in your ability to fulfill some of those obligations and expectations that you have and some of those responsibilities and how it's impacting the relationship. Again, we're talking about relationships here and we want to bring this up because of how much it can impact uh, a healthy relationship, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. got yeah. it. And the other thing too is that, you know, just as much as people may be taking on too much, and we talked a little bit about that in the last podcast, how they may be taking on too much and that's where they're feeling some of the role strain. Some of the role strain also comes from not being able to fulfill some of the obligations at all. Maybe you don't have um, the ability or the resources to fulfill some of those obligations. And so you're feeling the strain because you don't, you can't even actually step into it. Yeah. And I also want to add this notion of invisible labor, because that's oh, going to be okay. super important to the conversation as we talk about how you can fall into role strain and your partner not even realize it. Right. 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 Yeah, for sure. Right. For sure. Well, break that down a little bit. What do you mean? Yeah, let's talk about it. Invisible labor is labor that you do in the relationship that is not always accounted for. Mm. Washing the dishes is something that we have to do, whether we're loading the dishwasher or washing them by hand, washing the clothes, uh, putting them away after that's, you know, they've been washed. Um making the doctor's appointments. There are little things that we do every week, sometimes every day, that we don't always factor into our exhaustion. There are things that we do that help us to get to the next point or the next task on the list. And without those things getting done, the whole system falls apart. But when we actually start to quantify how much a person is doing, those things don't even get factored in. Mm -hmm. And the invisible labor or the invisible tasks that people take on sometimes don't make it to the, the actual tally sheet in their partner's mind. Sometimes it doesn't make it to the tally sheet in uh, the individual's mind who's doing it. And when we sit down as therapists and talk to people about their day, what it consists of, their week, and all the things that they're carrying, we often slow people down and make them pick it apart piece by piece so that they can see that if you're only counting the fact that you made it to work every day, you worked your eight to 10 hour shift, you got home, you had dinner with the family, you got the kids down and you got to bed, you might be missing 17 tasks yeah. that you did just to get to those core tasks that we've learned to think of as big things. Right. And it's contributing to the exhaustion. And if your partner does not acknowledge those things, then you can start to feel unappreciated or resentful because they don't know how many extra steps go into making life work every day. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Absolutely excellent point. So when you think about those people who are in situations where they're all those extra things. I don't even want to say extra because like you said, these are basically day-to-day -day tasks that don't get included. Day-to-day. -day. Right? Right. When those things aren't being included in the totality of what we have to do and we're only focusing on the big things, for those, for the per person on the other side, what is going through their mind? What are some of the things you hear from people who are looking at their mates saying, well, I don't know why you would feel stressed. You know, what What do you think is going through their mind at the at that time, at that moment? You know, I, I think on some levels it's a, a luxury 
in those moments to maybe be blissfully ignorant right. to some of right. the invisible exactly. labor, exactly. Right? right? They're blissfully mm -hmm. ignorant to all the steps that they're missing that their partner is doing, but they may be thinking that their partner is not equipped or is not mm. necessarily yeah, True. not equipped to to do the role uh, or carry out the responsibilities that either implicitly or explicitly have been placed on their backs. And they, they're usually thinking about the weight that they're carrying mm -hmm. and, and giving a lot of priority to the things that are on their to-do list every day. Mm -hmm. And that can make couples extremely defensive and unable to hear each other when they start to have this conversation. And that's an excellent point because when I see that as well, what happens is that person is doubting, like you said, they're doubting that the other person has the capabilities to actually fulfill those roles. And right. you see how that starts to play in the relationship or even play on the amount of role strain that that other person is feeling. So not only right. am I struggling to fulfill this, but because you're doubting my ability to, to do this, I feel even worse. I feel even more guilt about not being able to mm -hmm. do that. So now the amount of strain that I'm feeling is being exasperated by your lack of, of, of a vision of being able to see me, you know, that sense of invisibility. I can only imagine for that person sitting in that, like what, what is, what does that feel like every, every single day you're doing as much as you can. You're already feeling like you can't do everything that you have set out to do. And now the right. person's coming in and saying, well, you just, you're just not, you know, you're not focused enough or, you know, you just don't know how to organize enough. How does that feel? <laughs> you know, I see it every day in my clinical life and in the lives of some of my closest friends. Mm -hmm. You know, we have these high paced or fast paced and high functioning lives where we have bought into this idea that we can do it all and we can have it all, right. which means that the task list for any given day is a moving target. Mm -hmm. There is so much administrative work to do in the midst of maintaining the career, rearing children, if you have children, caring for sick or aging parents, mm. that you literally have to be a jack of all trades on any given day to get most of the things done on your task list. And if you don't have the gift of being able to pivot on a dime or focus on several different dimensions, then you're going to feel inadequate a lot. Oh yeah. And it's unfortunate and it's unfair to place that burden on your shoulders if you don't realize that most of us can't pivot that way every day. Mm. It would be like juggling 20 balls in the air without dropping one. And every day the weight and the size of the balls changes without mm -hmm. you getting a break. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what do you do when you have someone who their mate does not want to help pivot? They don't want to step up. You know, they almost refuse to step up. I see you struggling. Right. I know you're having a hard time with this. I know you believe that you have so much on your plate that you can't actually fulfill all the obligations or all the responsibilities. But why do I need to take more on my shoulders? Why should I pick up just because you can't do it? <laughs> Yeah. And that's usually coming from a partner who's a bit more one dimensional. Mm -hmm. And I think we end up as therapists really sitting with each person in that partnership to try to get them to walk in the shoes of the other person mm -hmm. and also own that if you are the more one dimensional partner or you have the 
big job that takes all of your bandwidth to the point where you don't want to have anything to do with all the domestic labor or the individual tasks at home, uh, you still have to foster this level of appreciation for the skill set that your partner needs to get those things done. Or you have to generate the cash to outsource those things so that you and your partner can create the life that you want. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I was going to say the same thing. It's like, okay, you don't want to do it. it. You don't want to step up into this, right? So speak on it. You better figure out a way how to outsource this. You better figure out who you need to hire to to fill in where you refuse to step up and you know that your mate can't, you know, or not even so much that they can't, but they, they don't have, they already have too much on their plate, right? So you better figure out how to pay for it if you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to do it yourself. Yeah. Let's talk about, um, an example that I see that really speaks to that. Okay. Often a couple will get together and let's say we're talking about a, a heterosexual couple and at the outset, both partners are working, right. generating income and that income is contributing to the lifestyle that the couple wants to live. We bought the nice home, we bought the cars, we're still paying off student loans maybe. And then we've got this master plan to start a family. Mm. Well, when the baby comes, one partner may say, I don't wanna go back to work for three years Mm. or until the the baby gets into kindergarten, which is a five year stint, right? right? And that wasn't part of the agreement at the beginning, but the couple may decide we can pivot around that. Now we both see some value in that. Role strain shows up in this couple a lot because the financial Um, stability is now in question. Mm -hmm. They figure out how to make it work on one salary, but it means that they have to sacrifice and make some changes because we've added a mouth to the house, but the bills didn't change, but someone's not working. Mm -hmm. And that person who's not working typically is expected to take on the domestic roles and do the thing they asked to do, which is rear the child, make sure that they're home with the kid, right? Major role strain right there. Major role strain. I'll let you jump in here for a second before I go. No, 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 go on. Go go, keep preaching, girl. Keep going. Keep it going. Right. So so here's the role strain because that help that we just talked about, the financial help that might be needed to carry rearing the child and still doing all the housework and maintaining all the administrative tasks, we don't have the funds for it. Right. Yep. But the partner who's stressed out because they're cooking all the meals, washing all the clothes and the dishes, making sure that the kid or children are washing the bottles too. I keep hearing about washing the bottles. (laughs) Washing the bottles. I hear how much that, how much time that takes. Either you're washing the bottles, washing the breast pump out, or the baby's on on the breast, you know, Mm -hmm. at night and you can't hand the baby off. There are so many nuances to becoming a a family and, and having, you know, children into the picture that that role strain starts to pop up. And the partner who wants the extra help, who's staying home, may feel guilty because I asked for this. I know what a big sacrifice this is because financially I pulled my contribution out, but somehow I still need 
more help on my end. And the other partner says, well, I'm working extra to make more money. I've got a big job and I'm trying to go for a promotion, which means that I need to be focused in on work more so that we can make this type of situation work. I can't do more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we it, see this all the time. All the time. I mean, I'm thinking of so many examples right now. And you're right. The role strain, when you begin to build your family, as your family begins to evolve, and that's what we were talking about, that growth and the evolution of your family. Yeah. We do begin to have to take on different roles. And sometimes you may be staying home, you know, where you were working before and contributing more financially. But now you're staying right. home to care for the child and everything else that goes along with that. And the other person may be picking up more hours, you know, or picking up a second job. And so for both people, the, that change in roles and responsibilities actually brings out role strain for both of you. And so we often right. see when we when we see couples come in and they talk about five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years down the line, why they haven't been able to connect. It kind of begins there because you've been oh, yeah. so focused on what you have to do to maintain your side of the relationship that you create this distance instantly creates between you guys. You know, you're focusing a lot more on the children. You're focusing a lot more on your job. You're focusing a lot more on taking care of things around the house and you miss each other. You know, that's right. And you also have kind of retreated into your own corners because of how much stress you're feeling under the weight of those additional roles. Oh, listen, you know, your time Research, hasn't changed. Yeah. Your time, you still it's the same amount. You're still working with the same amount of time. That's right. But that's more right. responsibilities. Right. That's right. Right. Research tells us that marital satisfaction decreases with each child that's added to yep. the family. Yep. And I'm not trying to be a buzzkill here and and you know make people decide that they're not gonna have kids. Mm. But the point is that when you add children, they become a divider. Yeah. Your interest as a parent is now focused on the kids' priorities first and what's left over goes to your partner most often. Right. And when that happens, like you said, Tyreek, it becomes very hard to find meaningful ways to connect because there are only 24 hours in a day. So no matter how much gets put on your plate, you can only divide those hours 24 ways. We're never going to have 26 hours. We're not going to have 28 hours. So it's always just a trade-off of what you're going to prioritize. Mm -hmm. And when two people go to their corners, as you said, it's so tempting to stay in that corner because when the kid goes down at night, that's your first opportunity sometimes to breathe, have a minute to be with yourself, to right. catch up on your shows, right. to to just decompress from work. Mm-hmm. And we caution couples who do that because you can get into a rut very quickly and yeah. not find a way to have meaningful connection or even sex and intimacy right. when the children are young. Yeah, yeah. I also want to point out that for those people who find themselves in that situation, that there is a tremendous amount of guilt that you may be feeling in that position. Because as a person now who's sitting home, not only sitting home, you're at home because you're not sitting, you're working the entire time. <laughs> to be very right. clear about that. You're, you're right. working the entire time, taking care of the child and trying to keep the house going. That now that you're not contributing financially to the um, house as much as you were before or at all, that there's a certain amount of guilt you're feeling when you see your mate leave 
and you know that they have to work extra hours. You know that they have to pick up a second job. Right. So you're feeling guilt for not being able to contribute that way um, anymore, right? And then on the other side, as a person going to work, you're feeling guilty because you know that your mate is dealing with a lot at home. And even though you're going to work, you know that when you're able to acknowledge it, because like we said, a lot of people can't acknowledge it, who have a hard time acknowledging it. But when you're able yeah. to acknowledge how much work that your, your mate is doing at home and how much stress they're feeling, even the, the strain and the guilt that they're feeling being at home, and you want to come home and contribute, and you can't because you have to come home later because you're working more hours or you took that second job, or you're right. even more exhausted from you than when you were more before, and you need your own time to decompress, you start feeling guilty because you can't help them out as much as you would like to. So there's a lot of guilt that starts to creep into these relationships that, again, contribute more to that role strain. I can't do as much as I would like to do. I can't fulfill the obligations or the responsibilities or the expectations that I have for this relationship. Right. You know, here. So I'm feeling this guilt now. And so what am I supposed to do with that? So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, when you think about what your clients are going through and how they may be feeling that sense of guilt, how do you work with them around that guilt so that it's not contributing more to whatever conflict that they're already feeling about themselves or about their relationship. Yeah, uh, that guilt is a real thing. And it often presents itself, though, as defensiveness, because mm -hmm. there are um, let's talk about gas tanks for a second. Okay. You know, right. we don't we don't have an unlimited amount of gas in our tank as as individuals. And what you're talking about is depleting yourself almost daily so that when you come back together as a couple there's nothing left in the tank to pull from even if you want to be of help true uh, and it impacts sex and intimacy as i was saying earlier and it impacts the emotional connection so much mm -hmm. so when a couple realizes that by the time they get back together at the end of a day if they're on the same shift because sometimes it's really hard, Tyreek, where one person's working second shift and they don't get yeah. home until the middle of the night yeah. or they're working overnight and then they get home and they take the baby to daycare or they get the kids off to school and then somehow they're supposed to sleep in the day, which is so hard, yep. while their partner is gone and then when their partner gets back, they're going to work. I mean, we have seen it. Yep. The, the toxic cycle is when two people get out of sync about it. Mm -hmm. And when one partner goes to confront the other, the other person is not in their space of compassion, okay. empathy, and sensitivity. Yeah. And that's what I mean about the defensiveness. Yeah. Even though couples might be feeling guilty and at their core on their best days, they wanna help extra. When the tank is empty and it's been empty for a long time, they're not going to always be able to show up with the empathy and the support that's needed. Mm -hmm. So what do we do as therapists? First and foremost, we normalize how hard this dark yes. passage yes. Yes. is. Normalize it. Yep, you're right. It is the jungle. I tell my clients that the kids are domestic terrorists. And when you have the <laughs> two, when you got two kids or more, it's really a struggle because now the playing field is beyond even mm -hmm. it's only two of you It's two of them and they've got more needs than you got hands and feet Indeed. so it's really a hostile takeover i'm yep. gonna be honest with yep. you right but we normalize 
just as you said, how if you are in this posture for an extended amount of time, there are certain symptoms, we'll call them symptoms, that Mm. you're going to see pop up. You're potentially going to be irritable. You're going to be anxious. You're going to potentially be short and defensive with each other. If you're not having proper self-care time or figuring a way to have time with your partner. And then we also talk about the importance of community. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Community yep. is community is the next piece. After we've normalized how crazy this dark passage is, we also then start helping couples look for those resources and sources of support that will help them to get the self-care and just eke out a little bit of meaningful time with each other to recalibrate so that they can go back in and fight another round against the domestic terrorists, right? (laughs) But you can't stay on the battlefield indefinitely. You get to come in off the field. (laughs) You get to be triaged. At a certain point, you run out of bullets. (laughs) At a certain point, you run out of bullets and you got to go back. Right? So you get a little break. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But what do you think um, are some things that we do to help combat this? Well, you know, I I love what you said because, you know, that normalizing is essential. You know, you're not by yourself. Everyone's going through this to a certain degree. Yeah. The thing that I really want to point out that I really want to kind of hammer home is the point that you made about community. Because the idea that we're taking all this on ourselves is a really pr- probably a very new phenomenon. You know, yes. the, the the concept of a, a nuclear family is really only about 60, 70 years old. So every generation for millennia before this, you had a much broader family. You had extended family around who helped you when you That's had right. a child, right? So you didn't take it. You didn't take on all these tasks and all these responsibilities on your own. There are That's multiple right. people contributing to your household, you know, you had a strong community around you. You had cousins helping you. You had siblings helping you. You had your parents helping you. Right. You know, so you had all these people and, and from multiple families. So you had all these people who were there helping you through this. So you weren't feeling the same amount of strain. You felt strained, but right. not in the same way. So you doing this all on your own or just the two of you is a pretty new phenomenon. We're only talking about two generations where this is really right. been going on, you know, and so and we're seeing the struggle with that. That's yes. why we're seeing it so much in, in, in our practice, because this, again, is a very new phenomenon. So it is important. And I, I, I say this to my clients all the time that you reach out beyond your household. Mm-hmm. If you're because we have a lot of people, especially in this area, who are transient, who don't live, who aren't from here. So don't have sure. me and I have a lot of family here. So reach out to other people. You know, you have to grow your community when you get somewhere. So part of establishing your your family in a new area is finding other people who are like-minded, people that you trust, people who have common interests, people that can grow with you so that you have that support when you need it. Oftentimes yeah. we come to a new area and we kind of isolate ourselves or you know, it's just us and our mate and we're just taking on the world together without anybody else. Or even if we are making friends, we're really limiting those interactions and you know, we may not trust bringing our kids or leaving our kids with other people. You right. have to figure out a way to do that. You have to figure yes. out how to grow that community so you're not doing it all on your own. You know, it's important that you yeah. have all those other people there with you and not just you feeling like this, the two of us have to carry everything. Agreed. And I want to talk about that domestic upkeep 
because we're not just talking about having community to watch the kids, but when we lived intergenerationally, mm-hmm. multiple family members of different generations in a household one, under one roof, under one roof, or maybe it was a two flat or a brownstone, <laughs> but you know, right. duplex, whatever you mm-hmm. call it in your multiple region houses of are the one world, piece of land. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever you were living in. Uh, Everybody chipped in, not just to watching and feeding and rearing the kids, but also to the cleaning. Mm -hmm. I bring this up because there's this huge, huge debate about whether or not it's okay to pay for housekeepers and cleaners, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And and amongst people who can afford it because they've got the big jobs or big careers making the big money. And because of that, they are out working beyond 40 hours a week, sometimes not having time to do those things. They're feeling guilty about wanting to have cleaners come in to make sure that the house does get cleaned and Mm -hmm. that every couple of weeks we get behind the refrigerator and we clean the baseboards and (laughs) somebody cleans the crud off of the stove. These are things, again, that also came with a different level of family community. And now we do have to pay for it. We have to put it in place if we can't create that nuclear, I'm sorry, not nuclear, but that family of origin, um, intergenerational living situation again. Uh, And if we don't, then yeah, the house is a hot mess. Mm -hmm. And when the clutter hits, partners are pointing fingers at each other or they're having a hard time thinking and functioning in the home because it's so much in a state of disarray. But or so, even, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I say even on no. the other side of that too, maybe you are focusing a lot on making sure that the house is the upkeep is there, but you're not focusing on yourself. So you don't have a chance mm-hmm. to recharge. You know, that self-care right. is is sidetracked because you're focusing on absolutely everything else. But you yeah. never, like we said before, there's times you need to get off that battlefield. You know, so you have to be able to care for yourself and you can't do that if yeah. you're investing all your time, all your energy into these other tasks. But I'm sorry, what were you yeah, going to say? Yeah, I'm just going to piggyback off of that and say that uh, our generation of parents didn't necessarily teach us how to rest, though. Oh, no. So <laughs> Not it's at like all. We're, oh. we're, we're applying sorry, this old school mentality to these new school lives that we're living in. Yeah, no disrespect. I, and, and I, too... And um, I'm definitely guilty of this. I still scrub the floors by hand. I still pull the refrigerator out and clean the domestic wiener. I'm still go ahead, girl. Yo, I get it in, and and I take pride in in making sure that my home is spotless at all times. Right. But my profession allows me to do that. Right. Um, even if it didn't, I would probably be trying to do it. And I have friends and, and clients who clean for the cleaners because they're so embarrassed that, <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one. there's, you right. know, a certain level of, of dirt that the cleaners are even coming into that they're like, oh, the cleaners are coming tomorrow. I got to yeah. clean for the cleaners. Yep. It is a real thing. And yep. people out there who have cleaners, I know you all are cracking up because I'm stepping on your toes right now. But, but that is cleaning, you know, and trying to maintain everything and not rest, uh, that is a byproduct of, of where I come from. Yeah. But I always remind myself that my parents didn't have the type of 
job or career that I have. Uh, their homes didn't cost what my home costs. You know, we're just living under different circumstances that cause us to have to pivot and open our minds to more unconventional ways of building that community and getting that support. Yeah. I, my parents didn't take vacations multiple times a year. If we got in the car and rode to the Wisconsin Dells in the Midwest, we were doing something, right? And we didn't go out <laughs> to eat a lot. There were just so many different things that we need to consider when we think about what older generations did and how they kept house or didn't complain about yeah. taking care of the kids. You know that, And I know you and Dr. John talked about that a bit during the last uh, podcast episode about roll strain, but it really is important to remember that this is not apples to oranges. Yeah, not, not at, at all. all. Not at all. Not at apples all. to apples. It is apples to oranges. It's not apples to apples. <laughs> Let me, let's, let's go back to another thing we, we had started earlier. Let's talk about some examples uh, of roll strain, how that, how you actually um, experience roll strain. Like what are some of the, the, expectations that you have or some of the responsibilities that you have that begin to feel overwhelming. And now you are in a place where role strain is a, a serious thing for you, where it is a pervasive um, part of the, the ills of your relationship. What are some examples of what people may experience as role strain? You two began to talk about this in episode one about role strain, where you know, there, there are two income earners in the household, uh, but one is expected to work and then also take on the domestic tasks and that invisible labor that I'm talking about. Now, we've established right. today that even if one person comes out of a career or a job and is at home trying to juggle all the invisible labor and the domestic tasks and make sure that uh, things are keeping you know afloat it can be a lot but when two people are working and then um we say a baby comes along or or doesn't come along if you are not well versed in what the other person is holding or what it takes to do their job mm -hmm. the role strain comes in when one person is responsible for making sure that the dentist appointments the doctor's appointments are made even down to the social calendar right if i'm the only person who's out there building community <laughs> yep making sure that we have friends making sure that we are going out on a date mm -hmm. every week or every month because we got coverage scouting scouting out yeah new little things for us to do so the relationship is not just work come home go to bed get back up and do it all over again even that is a form of role strain that really pops up early in most relationships and sometimes the partner who is being complained to doesn't take that very seriously yeah yeah very true very yeah. true. What do you got? One of the things that I don't think people really consider when they talk about role strain, if they even consider role strain, is absentee parenthood or absentee fatherhood, right? Yeesh, yeah. And and not to excuse it, but recognizing that for some absentee fathers, the reason why they got there in the first place is because of a sense of role strain. I mean, some people generally have no interest in, you know, raising kids or raising kids with a certain person. But for some people who have a um, a sense of responsibility and may be underemployed and can't contribute financially in a way that they believe that they want to or should to the household, mm -hmm. 
some people just take off, you know, mm. which gets into a deeper conversation around believing you have the option to let go when you're feeling strained, right? That's why, that's why they talk about how strong black women are because oftentimes black women seem to not have the um, belief that option. there's a choice, okay. option, yeah, mm -hmm. option, or belief that, <laughs> yeah. that they can give in. So no matter how much pressure you guys seem to be under, you find a way to work through it. And not saying that you should, that, yeah. you, that you do need relief, but you'll find right. a way to work through it where a lot of other people from different communities won't do the same thing, where they'll fold or they'll lean on somebody else. Black women seem to maintain that independent spirit and say that I will get through this one way or another and I will take care of this. I may be bitter. <laughs> I may I may be angry all the time because I have this, you know, this strain, this stress on me and I'm feeling overwhelmed and there's no one to help me with it. And so, you know, my kids feel it. And then, yeah. it, you know, so there's a whole other back half of that. But recognize that for some people, they believe that they can just throw their hands up and say, hey, I'm done. You know, I'm feeling the strain. I'm feeling the stress. It's too much for me. I can't fulfill my obligations. I'm gone. And so you see that as uh, a, a outgrowth um, of some of that role strain that people experience. So p parents who step away because they can't fulfill mm. the obligations, that is a form of role strain. It creates a form of role strain or we're talking about the strain that leads them to walk away or both. I think a little bit of both, but more so that leads yeah. them to walk away because you felt so much pressure to fulfill things that you don't have the ability to fulfill because maybe right. you're underemployed or maybe you do have right. a disability or there could be, you know, something that's just in the way of you being able to do those things to be able to contribute how you want to contribute. And so you step away. So I think for the most part, yes, yeah, it's, it's the latter that because of the inability to fulfill those roles, that's what contributes to you leaving. Yeah. Guilt and inadequacy are powerful, powerful things. Yeah. And your thing is regret. You, you mm -hmm. are big on talking about the impact of guilt uh, on relationships and just pausing here for a quick second to yeah. show some empathy to those who are overcome by it. Mm -hmm. You are pointing out a really important piece that some folks, when they cannot show up the way they expected themselves to, right. that could be generational pressure. It could be societal pressure. It could be internal pressure. Yeah when they uh, have to pivot because life threw a curveball at them and they no longer are in the position that they once were, like you said, and can't do the things that they want to do instead of staying to do the things that they can do and sitting under that weight, the feeling of inadequacy, mm -hmm. the feeling of helplessness, they do roll out. Yeah, yeah. They do roll out and uh, it's hurtful to the children involved. It's hurtful to the partner involved when we're talking about families. Uh, and it does. It heaps a whole lot of responsibility on the person who has no real choice other than to stick around unless they're going to drop a 13 year old off at the fire department and they don't. <laughs> <laughs> a 13 year old hmm. can't fit in the basket where you hmm. leave the baby I in the basket on the doorstep. Right now. I wonder who we could be talking about right now. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Sounds a little personal there. Oh my God, you're right. My daughter is 13, but it wasn't personal. You are so funny. You picked a very specific <laughs> age. <laughs> that is how funny. Do you, how do you pick that specific age? But, you know, the thing that we're actually talking about here is 
you know, people feeling like they need to drop out. You know, when you get to the point where you're so overwhelmed by the strain that you feel the need to drop out and dropping out isn't necessarily an option. So what do we do? You know, especially as clinicians, as working with these clients who are experiencing this, how do we help them overcome that sense of role strain? What are some of the, the, the I don't the, I don't want to say cure-alls, but what are some of the things that we can do to help them realize that what you're going through again is normal, but yeah. there's ways to get out of that. What are, what are some of the ways to, to overcome that sense of role strain? Yeah, this is a, this is a good uh, point to exit at, you know, there it's a luxury if we get to catch partners at a point where they have not yet dropped out and there's Mm -hmm. still some hope it really is because i think the step before that is them even carving out the time and having the resources to come and see us because the very thing that we're talking about where there there's only 24 hours in a day and only so much room on your plate, it prevents individuals and couples from even being able to slow down and get the help that they need to parse through the resentment and the frustration and the physical exhaustion that's caused by a very normal phenomenon called relationshiping, marriage, (laughs) partnershiping, and parenting. No doubt. It's just adulting. True indeed. True indeed. It's just adulting, right? Mm -hmm, Yeah. So so, uh, if we are lucky enough to actually get couples in our space, I mean, we just love on them and hug on them and, and normalize this. And we try to direct them to resources. I mean, we are in there picking their lives apart, really helping them understand what community they can piece together. And we we champion the cause all the way to the end. We help them build the structures. We help them make space for each other. We bring them back to the empathy and the compassion. We look at the schedules with the fine tooth comb and find all the ways that their boundaries may be causing Uh, stress and strain and prohibiting them from being able to divide their time in ways that help them to live a more balanced life. So we do all kinds of of things, not short of sprinkling pixie dust on people <laughs> to get them to where they need to be, Tyree. Yeah. But I think I hit some of the important things. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And I appreciate that. And I think some of the things that I have to I've done is one is help with building resilience because the fact of the matter is that you're not yeah. gonna get any more time. You may not get any more um, economic help. You know, so financially True. you may just be where you are. And so you may not have the option to do some of the things that we talked about. You may have to actually figure out how to endure um, the the responsibilities that you have. So in doing that, we may need to talk about re- resilience and, and tolerance and acceptance. And so yeah. working on that to a degree, too, um, figuring out how to manage things better. Maybe you're maybe you're not managing your time well. So let's talk about time management. That's right. You know? So That's right. A, there are there are techniques that we can actually implement in in the work that we're doing that will allow you to feel less stress that's not to say that's going to take all the stress away that's not to say it's going to take anything off your plate necessarily but it's just learning how to deal with it better the other part is what you also just mentioned is that sense of empathy and compassion having compassion empathy for your mate but also having it for yourself i remember reading Mm -hmm. a study years ago where they talked about men I i think it was in chicago um they're doing a men's group working with a men's group 
And they, the topic came up around the sense of guilt and uh, lack of ability to fulfill certain roles in their family and how guilty they felt and how um, self-deprecating they could be when they thought about mm. what they were going through. But yes. then when the researcher turned the question around, well, if you're talking to someone else in this group who's dealing with some of the similar issues that you're, you're experiencing, yeah. how would you talk to them? And you found that those same people who are so self-deprecating express a great deal of compassion for people who are in similar situations. So you have less expectations for them to fulfill all the things that they're feeling bad about than you do for yourself. And recognizing, well, if you have that kind of compassion for them, why don't you have it for yourself? Again, not saying that you don't have to do the work, not saying that you don't still have these obligations and these responsibilities that you still have these expectations to fulfill. But why would yeah. you not give yourself the same sense of compassion that you'll give to other people? So we yeah. have a lot of work to do around that sense of compassion for yourself and for your mate. So those are some yeah. of the things that that come to mind when I think about the work that we do in session with our clients. So anyway, it's time for us to kind of wrap this up. So we and I want to thank you for coming in here and adding what you add. Of course, the brilliance that you bring to this table. Um, as part of the royal cipher. <laughs> so why don't you give our listeners a couple of noble truths, something to, to walk away from here with from today's conversation. I'll end where I started. Too much of anything is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Moderation, moderation. And when you find yourself uh, slipping away from your balance, don't wait until you are so depleted or your tank is so empty that you can't even make it to our office to get help. <laughs> right. Uh, your gut is not uh, fooling you. Your intuition is spot on. You're doing too much. And you may need help outside of yourself and outside of your relationship to understand what you can do differently to get through the dark passage. And yep. I just want to leave it there. Okay. All right. And I will say just to add to that, my noble truth for this week is, again, you're not by yourself. Yes. What you're experiencing, a lot of people are experiencing. And they're, yep. they're dealing with it in very different ways. So what you have on your shoulders, what you're carrying around with you, you don't have to carry it the same way. If you have the ability, like we just said, if you have the ability, the ability and the resources to come in and sit down and talk to us, we'll help you manage it better. You know, that's, that's what right. therapists are here for. You know, so not only are we going to help you manage it better, but again, we want to help you figure out a way to feel more compassion for what you're going through. Because again, you're not by yourself. How can we That's help right. you organize your life a little bit better? How can we get you to reach out and grow your community? But then how can we also help you feel better about yourself and what you're and going to reconnect through? with your partner? Without right. a doubt. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely have to do that. That's so, it. so again, so, you know, those are my noble truths for this week. I am so appreciative, like I said, to Weena for being able to come in and talk to us, add to this conversation that Dr. John and I started. Um, what was it? Uh two weeks ago i guess About, yeah three, three weeks ago yeah. it's been a little while it's been a little while but um yeah. that's it for us and so miss weena why don't you yep, tell yep. people where they can find out more information about you and what you got going on oh man if you want to connect with me definitely go to my website 
Covenant Therapy. Uh, the domain is covenanttherapy.com and uh, you can read some of my articles and uh, connect with the therapist there if needed. And uh, it's a lot of good stuff there. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Lena Wise or Covenant Therapy Group. All right. Uh, there's so much stuff that Winnie has going on. I can't wait for us to be able to talk about it. So I'm, exci- I'm excited. I'm excited for Wina in 2024. You know, that's right. Yes. Very excited for her. Um, yes, sir. As for myself and Dr. John and Kings of the Heart, you can go to kingsoftheheart.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and all the other um, social media sites as Kings of the Heart or Kings of the Heart podcast. Also, like you can see right here, we are streaming live now. So you can watch this live or you can watch this later on. Watch the actual episodes <laughs> on YouTube and some of the other streaming sites. And you can hear us streaming on Apple, on Pandora, on all the different. Too much, too we're, much. We're all everywhere. the streaming platforms. If you put I mean, Kings of Heart anywhere, you will find us. Woo. Okay. So if you want to see yes. us or just listen to us, we're available yes. to you. So. That's it for us. And again, for Tyreek Walton, that's me. You can also go to my website, TyreekAmariWalton.com, or you can go to my therapy website, InsightMFT.com. All right. So again, Ms. Weena, thank you so much for joining us today. The Cypher. I just love having the Cypher around. I wish the other partners well. And uh, everybody, look, you guys take care, and we will see you again soon. Have a great day. See ya.